0: Welcome to the No Pun Included podcast, the only board game podcast in the world to have its own sitcom spin-off that was more popular than the original.
1: I've never even heard of it. I've heard of this podcast, though. Really? Mm. You've
0: never heard of No Fraser Included?
1: What? No.
0: Oh, very popular, very no, popular.
1: I, I think you're making that up.
0: Tell you what I'm not making up. The three board games that we are going to be talking about
1: today
0: on this podcast episode. And yes, you are correct. Someone has indeed made them up. Mm. In fact, you might not believe this, but anything is made up
1: even when, I, even no
0: pun included right? is made up
1: like when people say oh you just made that word up you're like we, okay yeah but like Shakespeare made up loads of words other people made up all words are yeah like, florbergorb is a perfectly legitimate no, no, word okay that's not because that doesn't mean anything yet you didn't put it in a context is what I'm saying
0: I mean it might it might mean um, my dinner for example your dinner yeah my dinner Florbergorb
1: Okay, yeah, Yeah. we can start using that. We can try and popularise that.
0: All right. Shall we tell people about the free board games that we are covering today?
1: Yes, we are going to be talking about The Great Wall, Sheepy Time and Beast.
0: Three exciting board games for... An exciting board game podcast.
1: There's no link, though, between them.
0: Uh, I'd say there's a link between two of them, but okay. we'll get to that in a second. Why don't we cover some no pun included news? Well, in no pun included news, there is no news. Oh. There, there's, there's nothing to report. Everything is going as it was. We We have now since published the video that we were talking about in the last podcast, but the way it was structured was that the video came out before the podcast. So there's two podcasts, and then there's another video coming up, next yeah uh what is that video it's still a surprise if you're a Patreon backer you will know what it is from our most recent newsletter and video but otherwise you won't and you'll have to wait until it's actually published to find out. But yeah, that's it. There's no no point included news apart from the fact that we got a Karom board and that's very exciting. <laughs> Do you want to tell people what a Karom board is? We
1: got a Karuka board. Sorry, a actually. Karuka board. But it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's a mixture of snooker and Karom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like snooker, but played on a Lazy Susan round board that you can spin around so that you can flick the white puck into mm-hmm. the coloured pucks. But you play by in... the rules of snooker. Right, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Which is very exciting for me. I like snooker a lot.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's a wonderful piece of engineering that I bought, actually. Yeah. It looks great on the table. And the lazy Susan aspect of it. Imagine if, like, Clask, you could just turn... That wouldn't work.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> the balls would go everywhere.
0: Yeah, but it, it, it's a lovely... The biscuits
1: would be flying, the balls would be flying.
0: It's a lovely piece that I'm hoping we get to cover sometime on the video i don't want to cover
1: it up it's nice we should have it on display no
0: like talk about it in a video but maybe that video wouldn't just be one game it would be more games don't Uh, spoil things i'm not gonna spoil what it is but (laughs) it's not what you think it is so,
1: it's not a snooker themed uh, yeah video no games yeah
0: so there you go that's 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 our recent acquisition.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no more open no included
0: news. That's it. Uh, but if you do want to check out our YouTube channel, it's youtubecom Included. That's where. We put all our main things and uh, you can find the, the reviews there that are better than this podcast, but not much.
1: Wow. <laughs> sell, sell our stuff, Efka.
0: I am. I'm doing a good Peddle job.
1: our wares.
0: Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about sheepy time?
1: Bah. That was yes. In ah, sheep.
0: I see. I see. No, I here I have a statement in front it's of me. It's just your
1: hand. I can see it.
0: And, and on you're that statement. At your hand. And on that statement, it says <laughs> Sheepy Time is a perfectly themed game. Discuss.
1: No, that's nonsense.
0: Why is it nonsense, Elaine?
1: Without even talking about what the game is. Yes. It's to do with falling asleep and having uh-huh. dreams and da-da-da.
0: That sounds pretty good already.
1: Playing as a sheep. Yes. Right? And the artwork depicts sheep that are in pyjamas. Why would the sheep be in pyjamas? They're not the ones that are falling asleep, are they? Or are they? Why are they dreaming of sheep when they fall asleep? Like You you don't dream of sheep when you fall asleep. You count sheep to fall asleep. And humans count sheep to fall asleep. Not sheep. Sheep, I don't know what sheep count. Blades of grass? What do sheep have in their lives to count? I don't know. It's just very annoying. And I also, I don't like animals in clothing. I find it disappointing pleasurable so uh, that that anyway is is a no from me is that was that your answer is oh that oh my god that
0: that dear podcast listeners that is one elaine successfully wound up oh. <laughs> i knew that was coming i knew it and it was great it was as great as i was hoping it to be um you missed out one key detail yes. though can i just say that you are playing as the sheep that are being counted as the person is falling asleep. It's not adorable. I see. It's not adorable. You are, you are the sheep in the dreamland. that, uh-huh. that are The sheep that are being counted.
1: The sheep aren't in the dreamland though. Like it's before you fall asleep you count the sheep. They're not in the dream.
0: Right, right. But they're the imaginary sheep that we envisage without, within like, our minds.
1: I always had a problem with the Philip K. Dick thing. Do androids dream of electric sheep, right? Because mm. you don't dream of sheep. You count sheep to fall asleep to have dreams about whatever i don't know flying donuts or whatever you dream about i don't know oh it just gets on my nerves this is
0: what you get hung up on yeah <laughs> these are the things that bother you
1: yeah well it's it's inaccurate
0: okay so Sheepy time is is a uh, one to four player game yes where you you race around a board of ten spaces mm-hmm. uh, in the hopes of the nightmare not catching you right if you get caught the first time Your sheep get scared scared. Mm -hmm. yeah and if you get caught the second time you're out
1: well you wake up you wake up from the dream uh
0: so what this is this is this is a cute adorable perfectly themed Mm -hmm. push your luck game where you're racing to get to the finish line right but the finish line isn't the 10 spaces around the board because you keep lapping those 10 spaces and each time you lap a space you get five victory points and Mm -hmm. that's great except if you decide to bow out of the round Or if you get caught by the nightmare twice,
1: uh,
0: then you have to uh, reset all your points to zero yes right uh, if you
1: bow out of the round you don't reset your points to zero that's just what happens at the end anyway like well that, it's not the penalty
0: yeah exactly so so unless you win the game there and then mm. at the end of the round all your points are going to be reset but based on who had the most points will get to advance their pillow down the victory point track so your victory point marker starts at the top of the track yes and, and your pillow starts at the, at, bottom. at the very bottom right and it is when they meet that the person wins the game mm. and at this point people listening are probably going really sheepy time really uh, and i have to say yeah kind of really you know I uh, i was as surprised by this as as anyone else so this was originally sent to us by publisher ag games mm. uh we uh requested cascadia from them uh for our <laughs> review video and they said you might want to try this sheepy time you game like animals and, and i was like Re- the sheepy time game really uh, and they were like look it's better than it seems and i was like sure okay a publisher frequently says it's better than it seems <laughs> right that's that's not news but then our friend john gets games uh, covered head on his vlog i think where he talks about the games that he played that were good mm-hmm. and he was like this was better than it seemed. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I have to try sheepy time now. Uh, so I did. And it is better than it seems. But it's not perfect, I have to say. I, I, I wasn't in love with it.
1: No, I, I had a nice time when we were playing it. It mm-hmm. was Yeah, it, I think the ending is kind of wonky. If anyone's sitting out, mm-hmm. it's a little bit boring for them.
0: Because it's just, yeah, you know, if there's one person left, they just play cards until they bust out or yeah. they decide to finish the round, or they win the game, right? Yeah,
1: so I kind of would rather that you just win when your victory point marker meets the pillow. Your wink marker, in fact, is what it's called. It
0: is indeed called a wink marker, yeah. And in this game, you can also catch some Zs. Uh, which is a token with some z's on it Uh and then that powers up special abilities i want to talk about a little bit about the special abilities because that's one of the things that was cool about the game and i quite enjoyed so this is this board with 10 spaces and when you start the game there's going to be a special ability on space number five and and space number 10 it's a circular board it just goes around in a circle 10 meets one and Mm -hmm. keeps on going so if you ever land on a space with a special ability so at the start of the game there's five and ten uh, whatever special ability is on that, and that's kind of random. And there's a lot of these yeah, special there's 30. abilities. That's quite a lot, and the variety feels good, and they all feel interesting. um If you have a, a Z token on it, then you can spend that Z token, and in you can do that ability. Yeah, in order to do that ability in addition to your movement. And the way you move is you just have two cards at the start of the game, uh, and then a- every round as well, and you choose one of those cards and do whatever it says. So it might say, move four spaces. Or move a space and catch a Z, you know, Mm. or move seven spaces or get three winks, which are the victory points.
1: There's not a particular amount of variety between the cards. They're all quite similar. They're all either move or move and get a wink or move a little bit and get zeds or whatever
0: yeah yeah and it might sound like oh wait isn't it just better to have a car that moves you seven spaces well oftentimes it is but uh see here's here's the catch there is a nightmare somewhere on the board and one of the ten spaces and that nightmare moves around a lot and if you move over it that's fine but if it moves onto you Mm. or over you Mm -hmm that's very bad news because, because you become
1: scared you become scared you have Se- a nightmare
0: second time that happens you bust out and as you draw cards uh to refill your hand uh the, like the cards you play to move around or whatever you could draw a nightmare card uh and that immediately gets resolved yeah and then the mi- nightmare moves or uh depending on what the nightmare is because there's three different ones yes you know they could execute their special abilities or whatever and they they all behave slightly differently
1: yeah a little bit yeah
0: and That's kind of like the interesting part of the game because uh, you could have a card that says, oh, move seven. But if that moves you one space over the nightmare, that's not great because as soon as the nightmare moves, it will move over you Mm. and then you get scared.
1: There is a lot of generosity in this game because uh, ties are friendly. If you move over the nightmare, nothing happens. That's Mm -hmm. fine. So there's no penalty for, like, moving where the nightmare is uh, as long as you don't land on the same space. And you also do get points still if you wake up. So you say you bust out, which you kind of do, because at the end of the round, if your pillow is nearest to your victory point marker, Mm -hmm. you'll get eight points in a two-player game. Mm Uh, if it's the next nearest you'll still get five so even the in a two-player game even the second player gets points and then even if you wake up you still get three points so so the pillow space will move back that number of spaces mm-hmm. so is it there's a, a lot of generosity in
0: it it's definitely a rich get richer kind of game which well, uh, one of the things that i didn't particularly enjoy about it because if you start doing well you'll you're more likely to do well
1: But then uh, the person who is not leading is the first player. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's helpful or not. I didn't find that particular benefit going first.
0: And this is kind of where we come to the sort of critique part of Sheepy Game. Because as an experiential game... Sheepy Game. uh Uh-huh. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, A, cute, in spite of what you're saying. um, (laughs) B it produced a lot of fun moments you know yeah there's there's a lot of tension like you know someone just goes "Ah, i my cards aren't great i have to chance it and i need to keep moving because i need to race around this track but i'll land just one step over the nightmare and then if if the other player pulls a nightmare card that's bad Mm. There's, there's a lot of fun moments in it but at the same time it also kind of gets a little weird because n- no you never really want to bow out of this game uh because as soon as you surpass the finish line you can go uh, okay i'm done you know that's it uh but if you do that the other person can just keep going and 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 going mm-hmm. and it is entirely legitimate to finish the game on the first round like i i w- we didn't but I kind of stopped just to make the game more interesting because anytime you finish a round, you get to add more of these special abilities around the board. And the board becomes more interesting. There's more fun things happening. And I didn't want to keep the game at that state. And I might have not finished because Mm. oftentimes you do just bust out for no reason because the nightmare catches you because you pushed your luck too much. But at the same time, you're never really incentivized to not try because I think the advantage of trying and getting further ahead, and maybe that's just fun. winning. That's the
1: fun part of the game.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the fun part of the game. And in that regard, like mechanically, Sheepy Time felt a little awkward and a little clunky, but experientially it felt great because any time anyone played a card, uh, a lot of fun things happened and a lot of tension and laughter around the table. So, hmm, strange.
1: Yeah, there was that one time that I was like, I'm going to push this and push this. Mm. And then... I was almost almost at the finish line and I almost would have won the game, right? Mm-hmm. Or like or not won the game but had my victory point yeah. marker meet my pillow marker. And I was like I can push this. Mm. And then you drew a card that moved the nightmare. Yeah. And so I woke up. And,
0: and that was it. And that was yeah. that
1: and my my victory point marker went straight back to zero.
0: Well, so the other thing that was kind of weird, when we started our third round of the game, my pillow was so far ahead of yours (laughs) that I felt pretty comfortable, you know, that I was going to win. And what happened is that I did win, but I kind of felt like, okay, I don't have to take as many chances. Mm. I could just stay, like, far away from the nightmare. Mm. And because sometimes you have cards that let you not move, just catch some Zs instead, which power up all these special abilities. And you just kind of hang around in one place mill around but then you started catching ahead and you actually were the person that went and met the pillow marker first
1: yes i was
0: but that's not where the game ends apparently no. the game ends at the end of the round and if both people have met the pillow marker it's the person who's further past their pillow marker yes. that is the winner which felt so anticlimactic because you yeah. went past your pillow marker, and, and I was went, like,
1: "Okay, I'm out now. Yeah. Like, I'm safe. I feel safe."
0: Right, and I just sat there and played cards on I my own. I was not
1: safe, and and I was a little bored whilst you were playing cards on your own.
0: And and then I played some cards, and I played some more cards, and I played some more cards, and I, cards and I was like, "Okay, I win."
1: And it didn't feel like a good feeling either because I mm. wanted you at that point to do badly, and and I didn't want to have that feeling because i was enjoying playing the game mm. but suddenly I, I was like oh please draw the bad cards so that you can't surpass me
0: here's my two suspicions yeah. about that first of all i think two player count is maybe not the most ideal count because maybe uh, yeah. uh, the game becomes a lot more unpredictable with more players yeah the second thing that i do want to say is that i think we're also not the target audience i think this is predominantly a family game i mean the production is gorgeous i know you have problem with cheap in pajamas <laughs> uh, that's fine you can have that no, but problem that's
1: that's my own for, um, hang up yeah that's my own hang but up. i
0: think this game is cute you have these little wooden sheep. You have this oh, they're adorable. wooden yeah. fence. And, and the fence
1: is the fact that there is a physical fence that yeah. you need to hop over. Uh-huh. And that reminds you that you get these five points and that you have this opportunity to stop. Mm. I think that's really nice. It's it's not just pretty, but it acts as a reminder.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think this game would be great with kids. There's probably a lot of joy uh, that families could get out of it. I, I think I'd tweak it that the person, whenever they meet the pillow, like they win the game. And and that, that kind of be it for me. I, I wouldn't want to do this weird post-addendum thing mm. of maybe I'll play some cards and catch up. That feels particularly odd.
1: Yeah, but even if you play it with, with kids, then there is still that, what if they dropped out, right? Mm-hmm. Like older kids that could play on their own. Yeah. Right? Um, and they dropped out and then just sat watching everyone else play the game. That's not
0: Fun. I guess not. You're um, right.
1: So I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it was a it was a fun time. We were sh- shouting and laughing and mm-hmm. going, oh, no. And it had real highs and lows to it. Like, because there's that push your luck element, right? Yeah. So when the luck was on our sides, it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it wasn't, it was sad. Uh, but I don't know whether even you know i I don't i don't want to make it seem like oh well it's a kid's game because it's a bit silly right Mm. it still needs to be a good game
0: i think i think i think it has its moments you know sure yeah it's just not the most solid strong recommendation from me i think no Um, but if
1: you like sheep a lot and don't don't
0: get sheepish about this game
1: that's sheepy time
0: it is indeed sheepy time
1: let's talk about yet another game that you have played That I have not.
0: I have indeed played Beast, and I do want to give uh, a sort of a a disclosure thing at the start, so we don't normally cover games that are currently on Kickstarter. Mm. Uh, This isn't something that the publisher contacted us about. This isn't, you know, this was purely out of personal interest because there is a TTS mod uh, for this game that's right now on Kickstarter. And also, Beast looks gorgeous. I think the artwork is fantastic, the setting is fantastic. And uh the game itself, conceptually, uh immediately drew me in because it did things I was interested about, right? Mm-hmm. So, first of all, what is Beast? Beast is a one versus all hidden movement game, uh, such as Fury of Dracula or Letters from Whitechapel. So you have one player that plays the beast uh, in mythical Scandinavia, right? Or, or you know, like a, a land rift off of mythical Scandinavia. Uh-huh. I, I'm not. It doesn't. It's not exactly Scandinavia. It's it's somewhere Scandinavia and Esk. and like Celtic and you know that kind of places adjacent, right? <laughs> but it's definitely published by a company from Scandinavia. Uh-huh. So you know there there is a tie there. Uh, so so you're you're either hunters who are moving in to further north because your lands are not you know that's you know you ruined them Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. Uh, and then you're you're moving further north with things are great but there's a mythical beast hunting Mm -hmm. the new people that have Mm -hmm. arrived and at that point if you're playing the hunters someone on the table goes wait a minute are we the baddies and everyone goes Yeah. yeah yeah we are the baddies the beast is definitely the goodie right in this game, and I I think the game sort of shows it, it does a little bit of two-siding it like, kind of a weird, like, oh, you know, like, the beast is definitely the good person because it's just protecting its lands, but also the people are kind of fine because they didn't move in here just out of greed, they moved in here out of desperation. Oh, okay. So so there, there is okay. a bit mm-hmm. of that you know but 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 otherwise i was quite intrigued and and you know the, the setting was cool but also conceptually the design interested me a lot because this isn't just a hidden movement game yeah this is a hidden movement game where what you can do on your turn is determined by a draft that is very similar to inish as mm-hmm. in the cards you draft they are pretty sort of set in stone and there's not a lot of them and you'll be drafting these same cards every round uh so i think there's i don't want to lie i think there's 16 but then we played a four player game and it just changes on okay, yeah. dependent on player count or no the number of cards you draw <laughs> the draft changes based on player count but i think the, the cards are the same it's not entirely clear it was a tts mod don't take my word for it right and actually uh, a lot of these things that I'm talking about. Here's another reason I'm doing this disclosure: is I wouldn't say that anything I say right now is going to be set in stone because it's a right. Kickstarter campaign. So yeah. you know, things it, can change. Things can definitely change, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, so you're doing this draft, uh, and you're doing it over the course of three or four rounds, depending on the number of players you're playing with. Once again, so the game can have, if you're playing with four players, the game can have more rounds right uh, but these cards they have two things that can happen so the top ability is always what the hunters can do mm-hmm. the bottom ability is what the beasts can do mm-hmm. and so when the draft happens it's this sort of weird draft because in inish you're drafting for yourself yes and you're going well you know if I pass this I'm passing it to another player I don't what do I want to pass what I what don't I want to pass yeah. whereas in this draft let's say you're playing with four players one player is the beast the other three other hunters the hunters are all sitting next to each other uh-huh. effectively uh-huh. right one of these hunters is always going to be passing to the beast yeah. right because the the person to the right of the beast right and it it it's kind of weird because it's like you know they don't
1: you want the beast to be able to do
0: but also what do you want to pass to the other person Uh, that's your partner uh right uh so there's a lot of things that are happening that are really really interesting in the draft and from what i understand again don't quote me on the rules on this (laughs) and i'll get to why in a second is that you can talk as the hunters amongst each other Mm. and show each other cards in terms of what are we passing yeah your tactics and stuff like that and of course the beast can hear all of this so if you ever played fury of dracula uh which is a game where you know one player plays the you know dracula Dracula. and the others play the hunters right as dracula you're always listening out Mm. to the discussion Mm. right and in fact there's some very strict rules about, like, what's table talk, what's mm-hmm. not table talk, and what, you know, and in Fury of Dracula, pretty much everything has to be heard by Dracula. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even abilities that let people talk privately or something like that. I don't remember much about Fury Dracula because I never really enjoyed that game particularly. Uh, but, but here, it's, it's very interesting because it's not just what's happening during mm-hmm. the hidden movement. It's also, like, what's happening during the draft And the strategies that form around that, not only that, but there are six different beasts and the beasts have different abilities and there's a bunch of different hunters and the hunters have different abilities. So every time you sit down to play, there's a whole different array of things that are possible between the Mm. players, their abilities and the board gorgeous looking board by the way like really really pretty right is segmented not just into four territories but each space that you land on is a different type of location so for example uh, in our game uh the player who played the beast played the giant frog beast right Ooh. yeah i know it's very exciting it gobbles things up Ooh. it produces polyps which are a little like zombie kind of polypy type
1: are they frogs also no they're
0: like they're like humans but not like like kind of bloated Mm. and yeah i know like a little gross and Uh and polypy if you will Uh you know so but they're like little bombs that the that the frog leaves around the table that sort of uh the frog can trigger and explode when someone is nearby uh, it's great there's a lot of nice little thematic touches but also like it coheres into the gameplay uh-huh. and it's quite strategic but yeah uh, there are different terrains and each beast prefers a certain type of terrain and a lot of the beast's abilities only trigger when they're on that type of terrain
1: the frogs are like swamps yes well, there you go.
0: There you go, right? So, uh, if a frog is on a swamp, you know, if the beast in the sw- is on a the swamp, they can they can play a card, right? Uh, that will do something that's better than like a normal card, uh-huh. right? And and that's really neat. But on top of that, right? On top of that, each card is also red or blue, and you can play two cards on your turn, but only if one is red and the other, and the really- other one's blue. So when you're drafting
1: oh right so you want a mixture of red and blue cards
0: exactly so Mm -hmm. you always start with some cards each character has like three starting cards Uh whether you're the beast or the hunter right and they're dependent on what character you're playing Mm -hmm. but then you draft more cards yeah and then you're sort of trying to pass the right cards and match them together And then there's a really neat hidden movement puzzle, right? Which is, you know, on your turn, you play the two cards. And if you're the beast, and this is really neat, you obviously, you make your moves in secret, right? Mm -hmm. But the way you do that is you have an access to these, like, piles of cards, which also say north, west, east, south, or nothing, Mm -hmm. right? So anytime a beast makes a move, they can choose one of those moves, for example, to be nothing, right? And anytime they do that, you know what the beast's starting location is, like, the last time it was seen, right? They just play those cards face down Uh onto this tableau, and then it's as if they moved but you don't see where right Right. but if at any point the hunter moves over one of the spaces where the beast was yes uh, the beast has to say yes i was there oh,
1: uh-huh. right uh-huh. and
0: then this little token gets put down um so you find out where they are by sort of you know stumbling onto their tracks yeah so you get some idea of where the beast is oh they're probably nearby because they went that way right so oh the first move they probably move left right uh-huh. you know okay so they either then moved nowhere stood in place so maybe they are in the space where i am or maybe they moved one for you never know right Right. and sometimes uh you have cards that say you can only move in one direction so Mm. you know that that's the clause Mm. right so there's a lot of deduction a lot of like Mm. these cool little moments of like oh like uh, okay we can probably piece it out and if you go there and i go there and we sort of surround it you know exciting things might happen but on top of that these tokens oftentimes if you're standing on a place with a token you know they uh, trigger various other abilities on Mm -hmm. your cards so there's a lot of cool things happening and a lot of depth because this game functions on rules exceptions right then provided by the cards but at the same time it's constrained because most of the cards are the same ones you draft over and over right. again so you familiarize yourself with them so there's a lot of neat things happening here and and i sort of i really enjoyed my time right
1: mm. that sounds like it's really in keeping with the theme so like um i like it when in when you have a hidden movement game the kind of tracking is part of the theme itself so you're tracking its footsteps like you're looking at where the footsteps of the beast have fallen Mm -hmm. and and that's what hunters would do right
0: not only that there's some uh really neat elements that follow from the setting and the theme but also like how they integrate mechanically so I was playing the trapper, mm. right? And what the trapper can do. So uh, in addition to regular cards, there's also like special cards and they're different whether they're for the beast or for the hunters. Uh-huh. So uh, the hunters get items and uh, the beasts get something I think called boons. I can't quite remember the uh-huh. term, right? But as the trapper, one of my special abilities was to get special cards. Yeah. And one type of those special cards mm-hmm. was traps. And when you set a trap, when you play a trap card, right? You, you have to ask like the... Uh, sheepishly the beast player to not look right so they have to like cover their eyes or look away or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah but what you do is you set that trap in one of the game's four areas right Uh so like one of the four corners of the board basically right uh but you specifically take a token matching a terrain type of your choice right and uh you put it underneath that trap card and put that trap card in that area so the beast has no idea what terrain you've chosen but they know what area you've chosen it in okay right so one of the things that happened in our game from that was that First of all, we knew what terrain the beast favoured. Yes. That was swamps.
1: So you're more likely to put the traps there, right?
0: More likely to. Not necessarily, right? right? But the trap only triggers if the beast is revealed in that area on that type of terrain. Okay. There's only three types of terrain, to be fair. And
1: the beast has no idea where the trap is at all.
0: Because it's not on a specific place. Yeah. It's just as long as it's on that type of terrain. I see. The trap triggers. I see. Right? So it's like you you are setting the trap within like the theming of the game, mm. uh, where you think the beast might be, uh-huh. or where the beast is more likely to emerge, because they are likely to emerge in a swamp type of terrain, you know, the frog, because more of their abilities trigger there. Yeah, and so their they want to
1: be there, yeah.
0: Yeah, but also there might be a trap there, or maybe yeah. it was a double bluff. And what we found... So, clever. It is clever. And what I've done, and this was all part of the open discussion, so the beast knew that that was our thought pattern, which was Mm -hmm. very hilarious. But I said, look, uh, we sort of know roughly where the beast is because they were sort of towards the center of the board. We knew that. And we were sort of surrounding it, right? They could have moved towards me, right? There's a lot of, like, sheep here, and they already killed one sheep, so we knew they wanted to kill another sheep because in round one they get a bonus if they kill two sheep, right? Or one pig. But the pig is harder to kill, okay, right? Yeah. So we're naturally. like... Yeah, naturally, right? Anyway, so we thought they might be moving towards the sheep. So I was like, well, if I set, if I spend time setting this trap, then we're not catching the beast. And, mm. and the actions feel pretty tight mm. because, like, you, you let the beast slip and they run away, right? Yeah. But I was like, wait a minute, if I do set the trap here... I'm basically making one entire quadrant of the board dangerous. Yes. They're not likely to go here anymore. So, so you,
1: you force them into the other areas. Yeah. yeah like I'm kind be. of
0: like herding it and stuff. So Like a sheep. Or a different kind of animal, right? Uh-huh. That you might be hunting, right? Uh-huh. But... Oh, but. But, so here's here's the funny thing. Another thing I like is that the beasts oftentimes, uh, the way they win is by killing uh, like civilians or something like that oh. <laughs> well no i mean that's that's logical you know like they're driving the people out it's just sure. it's okay. the same as like in spirit island when the spirit yeah. you know like kills the the, the white people that's uh, that's the same uh-huh. thing anyway uh but for the beast to do that so there's like they can kill sheep they can kill pigs
1: oh that's the tie between what? sheepy time and... You said there was a tie between two of the games. That's not what I meant. No? Okay. Yeah, sure. There's sheep right. in both of them. Okay. Yeah,
0: okay. So uh, they can kill sheep, they can kill pigs, they can kill people, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, they can kill hunters even, oh. which they'll get points. Yeah, basically they need to kill civilians. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they get to a certain number, they'll win the game, oh. right? Uh, but the hunters win the game uh, if they run the beast out of hit points or if they run out of the clock so if the game ends the hunters win so the pressure is always on the beast
1: they've worn the beast down and
0: the anytime that the beast wants to do anything Mm. they have to reveal themselves because Uh. as soon as you kill a sheep uh which you want to do because you'll get like power-ups and abilities you know or you kill a civilian again you want to do because that's your victory condition but you get Mm -hmm. Mm power-ups and abilities anytime you do that you have to reveal yourself Mm -hmm. so it's not that just you're getting to the places where you want to get to Mm. which helps the people into it you know kind of where you're going uh but you also have to be pretty secure that the cards that you have in your hand are going to help you get out of whatever situation you're going to get into and the disadvantage of that is obviously that when you have three people drafting against you you and their experience they might not necessarily pass you the cards they're probably not going to pass no. through the cards, right? You're very limited. And and actually, I was immensely enjoying our, our very first game. But the game ended on a very big dud. So I mentioned that there's four rounds. Yes. It ended at the start of the second round. Oh, wow. Uh, where the Beast was doing really well. And then once we sort of sussed out the draft, we made sure that the Beast didn't get anything oh. they wanted. Uh, and they had a particularly bad starting draw oh. as well. And and we had the perfect confluence of cards where in in one go we were able to deal one two three four five uh, hit points of damage to the beast, and the game ended. And that was that. And it felt so anticlimactic. So
1: was that a lot of luck that on you, was on your side?
0: I mean, it was partly luck, but it was partly also because everyone was inexperienced with the game. We were playing on TTS. Mm. You know, this is this new thing. But here is another thing: the reason I'm not particularly confident on this experience. I would recommend anyone check out the Beast Kickstarter just to have a look at, at the artwork and how great and gorgeous it looks. Sure, yeah. And how interesting and compelling. And there's a lot of depth, right? But the problem with it is the rulebook is so atrocious.
1: Oh. It
0: is. I know I rag on rule book, on bad rulebooks a lot, right? <laughs> but I think it's particularly important in a hidden movement game. Because if the rules aren't spot yeah, on perfect, that's right? That's true. You always have these questions. And these questions are often lead to information and it's so not ideal and they
1: can disadvantage either side or or advantage either side unfairly
0: exactly right Mm. and so we spent already a lot of time playing just that one round because we were trying to learn the game and even though there's there was a video you know so uh we watched like the publisher's video on how to play the game uh which was better than the rule book (laughs) and and the rule book had i mean genuinely like key rules missing right? right it was it was not great. So I was very enamored with Beast as the as an idea, but it requires a lot of time investment. Mm. can go askew mm. and the rule book is like so far from perfect that
1: so are they still working on it though right so so it could be balanced maybe slightly better or I don't know if they're still receiving feedback from so people. that's
0: one of the great things was that so they have an active discord and oh. when I had, I didn't know how a certain rule worked in the middle of our game just went on that discord asked the question and immediately got the answer from oh, the designers good, you know yeah. so, so they're pretty active in that regard and that's kind of why I'm bringing it up because it's a neat idea that I really like the look of, and I'm, you know, personally would love to see this game come out in, in uh, good shape, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to give people a heads up, uh, and also to encourage uh, the publishers and designers uh, to put in a little bit more work mm. in, into stuff like the rule book and making sure that it's. Uh, clear and concise, uh, because uh, the way Kickstarter works now, you do, you know, you don't you don't have to just back it when the Kickstarter is live. Because I'm pretty sure they met their funding goal. You mm-hmm. know, like people can join in, late pledges or whatever. Yeah. You know, and 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 make sure they follow the development if they are interested. Uh, be aware that there's some things that definitely need to be ironed mm-hmm. out. The other thing I wanted to bring up is, whilst the board I mentioned like about 17 different times that the board looks gorgeous <laughs> and the artwork looks gorgeous, right on the table. I'm not sure how it would look like because I haven't played the physical game. But on TTS, the dimensions seem off. The board is way bigger than it needs to be. (laughs) And the details, it's so vivid that all the details get buried in it. Ah. Right? And I'm sure TTS doesn't help in that regard because sometimes something can look flat even though it isn't, but like we I literally lost sight of the sheep tokens, you know? Right. <laughs> because they're so small against this like giant space. Themselves. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? Uh camel sheep.
1: You've mentioned seventeen thousand times. I know that how nice it looked, but like mm. I what does it look like?
0: well it's got a lot of greens whites and blacks uh-huh. and and it, like what is
1: the artwork like what is it reminiscent of
0: oh well i i guess it's reminiscent is it like
1: realistic it's or, re, no or?
0: it's it's definitely more animated uh-huh. and it, it's quite modern in some regards but uh-huh. in other regards it, it feels it evokes folky stuff right right yeah uh, when i
1: when i had a very quick glance at it mm-hmm. uh, when you were playing it looked kind of in the style of like scythe like where it has that folk like dark uh, mistiness
0: yeah but it feels more playful and adventurous right, uh-huh. whereas scythe is pretty you know it's evocative but it's downtrodden you know yes. you just have a bunch of peasants and oppressive mechs here it's more mystical and magical uh-huh. and okay. and bright but dark you know there's a contrast between brightness and darkness right so that's why i say it looks busy because yes. there it's high contrast colors and there's there's some pastel colors you know but some bright colours, some stuff. And do they colors. help
1: you like find your way around the board, or or does that make it more confusing?
0: Finding your way around the board was pretty clear okay. to me. It was it was just more. So there's a add-on where you can get instead of regular standees, the game mm-hmm. comes with standees. You can get acrylic standees for an extra twenty dollars, which sounds really fancy. But not only am I adding more plastic to the world, which
1: nobody needs, nobody
0: needs. Right on top of that, I feel like the acrylic tokens would be even harder to read. Ah, uh. uh, I. Mean, I I'm I'm not sure I'm going to spend an extra 20 bucks on, on acrylic tokens when the game isn't that expensive to begin with. Mm. But also I think to, to add towards what the artwork looks like, I'm not sure this is going to be helpful or more confusing, but there's also another Scandinavian published tabletop game, a role-playing game called, uh, yeah, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, (laughs) I Okay. Right. I'm not sure, but uh, it is also about hunting mythical Scandinavian, creatures oh. but uh Wesen is more about like uh your uh, i guess paranormal detectives how is it spelled uh v-a-e-s-e-n oh, right okay. as uh by free league publishing who did a lot of very famous and popular okay. role-playing games like the alien role-playing game the tales from the loop Ooh, which was uh-huh. made into the uh-huh. tv show this follows a similar rule set as tales uh-huh. from the loop a- and the artwork is very evocative but that's more about like uh finding harmony with this myth- myth- mythical creatures mm. finding out why they're haunting whatever tiny scandinavian (laughs) town you know and that Uh, might be a good thing or a bad thing you don't know but it's more about about sussing out rather than fighting them here it's like
1: immediately fighting them
0: it's like that thing is bad it's killing us we need to fight it and that thing is going these things that came in are bad we need to Mm -hmm. you know eat it so it's a slightly different variation but the art artwork style in both of them is quite similar mm. uh, and and okay. the setting is very similar uh, there's a lot of parallels between the two but conceptually i was very enamored with it uh, and i uh, want to see more where this development comes along
1: sounds really interesting i think so was the link between the two games a bad rule book
0: Yes, you hey! called it. Actually, <laughs> I was going to say it's ambitious Kickstarters with bad rule uh-huh. books. Wow. Uh, we could even title the episode ambitious. ambitious.
1: Well, yeah, but she. she uh,
0: do you know uh, what? We should do that because when people listen, they're going to see the title first yeah. uh-huh. and then they're going to hear me say, ambitious kickstarters with bad rule books and they're gonna go that's the title and then they'll hear me saying exactly these words as i'm saying right well, now like
1: when the title of the film yeah. is in the film that's and one it, of my favorite of, things yeah you know it catches that. up uh, you, know that. you know yeah you know there it's you a go. good film when the title of the film is in the film yeah exactly uh, we are in the matrix
0: donnie darko (laughs) right what's your name donnie Donnie darko Darko. Uh
1: we are of course talking about the great wall a game from awakened realms Uh, famously good for their rule books usually (laughs) (laughs)
0: look i in one of our videos i have to cop up to this in one of our videos i called awakened realms serial over promiser and I, i guess there's there's some truth to that here as well uh we haven't had the best record of enjoying games published by awakened realms in fact i'm pretty sure we've trashed every single (laughs) one we played
1: i think like but you make a good point that that they do promise a lot and when you start looking at them they seem really promising every awakened realms game is really promising you think oh this is interesting all this is good and then it falls down
0: well Shall we spoil the verdict? Did the Great Wall fall down for us?
1: I liked the game. I did not like the setting.
0: I think my 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 uh, feelings are sort of somewhat similar. Mm. So I can I can I give you my history of why i backed this game so i backed this game before i played etherfields which is where i lost my tether i think (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i was kind of excited by it because at the time i felt like i didn't know much about the game but i knew that it was semi-cooperative and leaning towards the euro game side Mm -hmm. and i at the time i also remember really enjoying lowlands where you're also building a dam or not and who's contributing more towards that? And what's better? There's a push and pull. Semi-cooperative, yes. Sort of semi-cooperative, yeah. And it's the same way here. It's just that the push and pull is a little bit different.
1: It's very different.
0: I mean, it is. But I think, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. The reason I backed it, was like, okay, it looks a little bit like Lowlands. Mm-hmm. And the artwork... So, this is set in ancient China, but and it sort of pulls on historical threads. This is where I'm not very hot on it. But at the same time, it sort of exoticizes China a little bit, because, I, and this is the one thing that I wasn't aware of, because just by looking at the artwork, I went, oh, wow, this is an Awakened Realms game where women are depicted respectfully. Mm, yeah, okay. That's... A win for them. That's you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a not a low big win
1: though. Yeah, but
0: you know, for some publishers, you have to go. Well, they start. They set the bar They're very trying. low, right? They're trying. Mm, Having said that, they have a sequel to Lords of Hell is called Lords of Ragnarok now, and the first thing you see is this giant statue of a woman with big breasts. So
1: there's nothing wrong with a woman with. Or a person with big boobs, right?
0: No, absolutely nothing. But it's
1: just when they are kind of sexualized in fetishized, that way. Fetishized, yeah. Fetish- fetishized in that kind of way, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right? So um, so that immediately kind of went, made me go, oh no, you went back. Uh, but yeah, no, so at the time I thought, oh, this looks like they're not... Sort of exoticizing China, mm. it just looks respectfully done and like interesting. But then you, I opened the rules and I was like, Oh no, this tea ceremony is in Qi and all of that, yeah. And again, that can be fine, but I think it, it when you take it out of context, it feels a little bit wonky because it's like, Uh, oh yeah, this Qi because it's China, and you resurrect your troops by spending Qi, and that is, is very historical, as we all know. Yeah. In ancient China, yeah, people yeah, went yeah. around spending Qi that they had. Resurrecting people. That's, yes, that's and, exactly uh, the way.
1: And the way that they performed their tea ceremony designated the turn order.
0: Yes, yes, uh, that's how who, that Yeah, you couldn't get around during no. your day. If you haven't done y- your tea ceremony first, you'd be like, I'm just late everywhere now. Right, that's, exactly. that's exactly how that and worked. I think that, that was that China.
1: was kind of my issue immediately with it, was that there were all these elements that were It was like they looked at a Wikipedia article of things about China Mm -hmm. and just went, oh, okay, these are the things that it lists. How do I put these in the game somehow? And so you've got these weird kind of disparate elements that don't actually do anything relating to what they are like the tea ceremony is performs no function other than turn order and i think that bothered me about the setting
0: yeah and and that's the thing there's there's nothing wrong with uh making a game about ancient china if you're not chinese there's something wrong if you're you're sort of just taking the exotic stereotypical tropes that are familiar to western familiar to western audiences and go oh we'll put that one in that one in that one in that one in right and and that feels lazy unresearched and a a little appropriative
1: having said that the um, game is fine the game is fine the game is actually i thought was very well done
0: it's very interesting and mm. and I enjoyed a lot of I uh, so it felt very much like a big event game. It, mm. it didn't feel like, you know, all oh, we'll sit down and play a euro game. It no. felt like this is going to cover up our entire table
1: and it kind of did. And we're yeah. going to
0: spend the day doing this. And we did spend the day doing it mostly because of the bad rule book, and we had to double check well, things a yeah, lot of the time. About
1: that. Also, I just is... sat there with the rule book in front of me, going, Yeah, I'll look up the page <laughs> like over and over and over and over again.
0: You didn't have to apologize for that. You did a tremendous job learning the game from a bad rule book and delivering it to us, you know, well, so we could play it. That was, you did a marvelous job. Thank alone. you, Efka. I also want to add that this is very much a first impressions kind yeah. of thing, uh, and we might be looking at uh, the great wall further i'm not sure how our further plays go uh, but we're at least intrigued and mm. our curiosity is piqued mm. so take this as a first impressions kind of thing mm. because we only so far played the game once uh, this is nowhere near a review and it's only just, the base game yeah, yeah and only the base game there's lot as all kickstarters there's lots of little <laughs> things that come with it and stretch goals and add-ons and all that kind of jazz but yeah why don't you tell us what the game is about
1: yeah, the Great Wall is about, um, you are playing soldiers and you're building sections of the Great Wall of China. And there are three levels uh, of this, this wall uh, and you will hopefully build them up and you get points, but you you get the points if you build that section of the wall. But mm-hmm. like you want to build the wall because there are these enemies that are going to be trying to penetrate the wall and take out your soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is also uh, like the Euro game element of it where you have like, worker placement type uh, spots where you will place your soldiers and they will do a thing depending on where you place them so you'll get things like resources you'll get things like turn order uh, you'll get things like extra cards that give you different abilities and you each have a general at the beginning of the game uh, and they will have a special ability also uh, and they will have advisors that also have abilities that will kind of boost your general or do something else Uh, there is also uh, like endgame scoring which we completely forgot about when we (laughs) played the game Uh, and that's what won you the game i think in Uh the end because although we both forgot about it you ended up somehow doing some of the things on the end game scoring Um, and it's just all these kind of different elements together
0: you also get to go fight uh, but not yes. each other. You, no. you fight the invading you're, hordes. Yes. Yeah. You inv- and and you, it's neat because you put soldiers and you get points or resources from where you put your soldier.
1: Right. And you're physically putting little archer minis on top of the wall in different spots. Uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. that part of it because it mm-hmm. felt very physical yeah and the doing. wall
0: is cardboard like yeah you know structure. A, a structure and you put the l- levels on top of each other right. so it gets taller it's neat there's a lot of nice little touches i want to talk a little bit about the worker placement mm. aspect of it because by saying worker placement i think it kind of gives the wrong impression uh-huh. because it's so much more involved than worker placement yeah okay yeah One of the things that's immediately weird and cool about this game (laughs) is that uh, you get a hand of cards, much like in Concordia, that tell you what you get to do. And for each round, you will pick one card and simultaneously reveal it with the other players. All your hands are identical and you have like six cards
1: in total, I think. Maybe. Yeah.
0: And much like in Concordia, one of the cards is to copy another player's card, for example. <laughs> yeah. right? uh, but here's the weird thing. So you do get to reclaim these cards, even though at no point do you need to, because at least in the player count that we played we had enough cards to go through all the rounds of the game and just play a card each and if you don't reclaim the cards you get two points for each card you haven't reclaimed but if you do reclaim them you get all your cards back yeah so if you spent your best card early on and you want to get it back you might not want to get it back because the point cost is immediately like skewed yeah Yeah. skewed for the entire game and so it's like it it is like in concordia that you want to kind of sequence your cards that Mm. they follow a logical progression that you can spend as much as you want to before you reset but at the same time you never want to reset in this game so you you just want to do it once right play each card once in a perfect order probably not going to happen
1: I was interested. Right. It's not that you spent your best card necessarily. It's you spent your card at the wrong time. Yeah. And it hasn't achieved its full potential. Or you really want to do that same thing again mm-hmm. and have that action happen again. Um, yeah, that that was quite strange. Uh, and it's strange that the victory points are called honor points. And, and talking of the worker placement part of the board, there are parts that you can go to. But if you are the only one in that spot, you will take shame for getting results you get shame for getting resources yeah. basically uh, and that that was kind of weird also, that's but such a
0: shame that must be it must be in ancient china people wandered around covered in shame uh, at all times wood. yeah uh, mechanically though <laughs> mechanically. <laughs> a lot of interesting things are happening mm. so the cards that you play they know what you can do right but very cleverly they tell you the thing that you can do mm. then the thing the other players can do mm-hmm. and then the thing you can mm-hmm. do again and that's true for every card that you play yes. which means that when we resolve all the cards that have been played so let's say it's a free player game uh, uh there's free cards we start with let's say i don't know steven's card mm-hmm. right uh steven's gonna do his main thing then we all get to do a thing then steven gets to do a thing again then we move on to elaine's card elaine gets to do her thing Mm -hmm. then we all do a Mm -hmm. thing and then it's my card and so on it goes right so that's already like a weird rhythm but on top of that there's this whole weird worker placement mechanic where, like in most worker placement games, you know, you start with some workers in this game five, the gold clerks, and you can get additional free clerks. But the benefit of doing that isn't necessarily immediate because. It's not like, oh, I get to place all my workers and go. You get to place as many workers mm. as denoted by your card So, some card might say, place all your workers. There's only one in the game. Another card might say, place three or four or place three plus another one based if anyone else played a different type of card yeah. that they might or might not have played. And then, on top of that, when you resolve the other players' do bit, that's frequently other players also get to place their workers. <laughs> but the workers might and probably will come off before the other card is resolved so it's sort of like a weird fluctuating currency
1: there there is this synchronicity between what you're playing and what other people are playing Mm -hmm. and you're kind of eyeing up what other people have already played and are in their discard pile i guess that's the other benefit of taking back your cards from the discard pile is that the other players don't necessarily have a a good idea of what you might be playing next Mm -hmm. or they can see what they don't want to play because you've already played it. So their card that they've got that works with that card is not going to happen. There is that kind of to and fro of of what you're playing and where you're going to place your workers on your turn and then where you might be placing your workers on their turn. Uh-huh. And it's really strange.
0: It is very strange. We we didn't mention like the we're burying the lead. Isn't yeah, it? a
1: little bit. The flow of the, the game.
0: Yeah is that there are spaces that don't trigger yeah. unless everyone goes there. Yes. Other players, they do uh, get to place their people on mm. somewhere. So there's four spots, and there are resource gathering spots. So there's wood, gold, stone, and chi. Mm-hmm. Not exactly in that order. Uh, and let's say I want to gather some wood. Well, that one's easy. That only needs three workers to trigger. Mm-hmm. So let's say I put two of my workers... And then the other players have the opportunity with their two worker placements, because it's frequently two, to go, yeah, I'll join you. We'll both get some wood. But if it's like gold, there's like five spaces Mm. that need to get covered up. So let's say I put two of my workers. I need to rely that out of the four workers that are going to be placed in the three player game, three of those workers are going to go and join me in the gold, you know, digging escapade. Not to mention that the person, let's say I place two, the second yeah. player places two, mm. the third player goes...
1: Nah, I don't want gold.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm going to get less than you. So, you know,
1: and it's... And then your workers are stuck there yeah, until that is resolved.
0: Until the card is fully yeah. resolved. Have in mind, not necessarily sure that this is exactly how this works because the rule book is, has a, a lot of words, not a lot of pictures. And sometimes it's conflicting information. But also, we didn't get to fully experience that part of the game because we played uh, a free player game. Mm -hmm. Sorry, a two player game where we sort of add this bot that works pretty well Mm. and makes the two player game experience interesting because they're in parts predictable, but in parts also not Mm. predictable because a lot of it depends on what the other player is going to do with them. Uh, So it made the experience not quite as representative of the full game Mm. but still interesting in its own particular ways
1: yeah and then there are other spots so there's two two types of spots worker placement spots one is where any amount of workers can go Mm -hmm. and then one that has like individual dots so like for example the gold has five Mm -hmm. spaces that you can go to the green ones that where anyone can go will always resolve even if even if there's only one worker there but then the red spots which are the individual spots won't resolve until it's full Mm -hmm. so so you could be wasting your workers So you could place them on the gold. Someone else places them on the gold. And then nobody else places it on the gold. So the spots aren't full up. So although those workers will come back eventually, you've done nothing with them.
0: That's why I didn't want to call this a worker placement game because it gives a bad impression. It makes Mm. me feel more Eurogaming. This game is very confrontational. (laughs) At no point do you fight each other. But my word, there is a lot of passive aggressiveness in this Mm. game and a lot of opportunism. And this is kind of where I want to pivot it to the parts that did excite me initially mm-hmm. when i heard about mm-hmm. this game and that's that semi-cooperative nature i think any good vague semi-cooperative game i don't want to call it like a purely semi-cooperative yeah, no, okay. because, because i think it just leans into weird different directions where you're somewhat partaking with each other but you are in direct competition at yeah, all yeah, times yeah. is the incentives Mm -hmm. that's what I'm curious about what incentivizes me to do things that collaborate and what incentivizes me to do things that you know (laughs) (laughs) compete right and and that's that push and pull is the interesting part to me Mm -hmm. because not only does it play on table psychology which Mm -hmm. is exciting you know it brings out different emotions from people but it's it's also uh the part that is I don't know I think that the meaty and the interesting part Mm -hmm. you know and I think the great world does a few very interesting and very good things the way lowlands worked mm. hearkening back to lowlands is that you kind of tiptoed on both directions do <laughs> i go with the sheep or do i go towards building the dam uh. because if the dam isn't built the sheep are all going to die yeah right but if if the dam is built then the sheep are going to score more points mm-hmm. so there's no perfect answer and you have to kind of tiptoe the line until right at the very end you pivot towards the right direction right this is a very different feel. Mm. this is more like i'm gonna spot opportunities Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna take them Mm -hmm. right and there are a lot of opportunities so for example anytime you gather resources you could donate one of the resources uh to the common kitty right
1: the warehouse the
0: warehouse right so let's say i got free wood i could uh donate one of the wood why would i do that i get two points is that good for me yeah probably furthermore If I donated something that goes in that warehouse and that warehouse can be used towards building the wall. Why would I want to build the wall? I will get more points, right? Forget about defending us, right? That, That doesn't matter. I want to build the wall because it's points, right? Yeah. And, I, and I want to. And it's a big leap in points, so yeah. I want to get that opportunity. But I can use anything in the warehouse yeah. put by me or other players as the discount. In fact,
1: you have to. Like you yeah. have to use what's in the warehouse before you do anything else. So you can't even choose to use your own resources. You must use what's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that is that's one of the things that interested me about it because there is this decision whether i'm going to put something in the warehouse to get myself some points now but then am i advantaging other players because are they nearer to building some of the wall than i am are Mm -hmm. they are they going to be able to take that action before i do and use all those resources and leave me with nothing and i don't have enough personal resources to build anything Mm. so which decision do you make
0: it's unclear but the, i but there's more that sort of makes you again push in different directions mm. and and snipe at those opportunistic moments mm. so for example again there's the horde cards that are invading and you know the the setting of the game dictates that well we must defend we must build the wall we must defend the land the horde's are coming that's bad right now nah. <laughs> like in fact Let's say there's a wall, it's a well-built up wall, but there's a lot of horde cards. And on that wall, there are a lot of archers, right? That are not my archers. Now, I could go and defeat a horde card in front of that wall. uh, And if I defeat that horde card the wall is not going to be breached you know that sounds good yes i'll defeat the horde card and i'll get some points but as soon as i do that the person who has the archers gets two points for every archer
1: yeah because they were part of that battle
0: however if the wall gets breached all the archers die <laughs> Yeah, that's true yeah
1: <laughs> And I'm going to go find another. There's a
0: different wall section. That (laughs) needs my attention. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of funky moments in there that, that I really like that pull you in different directions. But unlike in Lowlands where there's very two clearly defined directions like you go that way or that way sheep or,
1: sheep or barricade sheep yeah. or barricade
0: and then you know have you picked the right sort of thing here it's a lot of little directions mm. but they're all quite like big point jumps and opportunistic mm. point jumps so you could definitely invest into building that wall could you just ignore that part do something else
1: right but also if you've only got arches on that part of the wall. Mm. you're never going to get the reward even if that horde dies. Yeah, exactly. Because the only caveat to getting the horde card is the amount of soldiers on that horde card so the soldiers that have gone to directly fight
0: that's the spearmen or the, the, horsemen? Spearmen yeah. the horsemen right yeah.
1: so if the other player has the majority and, and even if you have one spearman but the other player you know has all the loads of units on it you're not going to win that even if you've been part of the battle as the archers mm. so so there is i like the how there are three different units and they all work in different ways and there is the decision and they'll cost differently as well when you build a unit they will have a different cost so you're kind of weighing up okay what do i have the resources for what do i want and where do i want to put it like the spearmen can only find the horde cards in the first line mm. right the archers can fight anything but they're not going to help you get that horde card the horseman can go kind of anywhere but they also cover up two spots and they must cover up two spots. So a lot of the horde cards have like individual spots that you could put a spearman on, but you can't put the horseman on. Mm. So what do I build and when, what is best, for me to defeat this card and get points from it i don't know the best part
0: is as well is that we instinctively whenever our soldiers died there was an option to pay cheat mm. to save them right and we always did that because we were like oh okay like if we want to save our soldiers yeah. right that, that that feels natural but <laughs> the funny part is that actually when you save them they just go back behind the wall and the only way you can send them <laughs> yeah. out unless you have some weird special ability mm-hmm. right which i did have by the way but that's besides the point is the one out of six cards that you have so if you play that card you don't get to do the big worker placement you still get to do worker placement on like other people's cards Uh but you don't get to do your own big worker placement but (laughs) you get to take all of your soldiers behind all your walls and through two sequences send them all out in Mm. a big clump and that feels great and it feels even better if you manage to copy someone else's Mm. card with your betrayal because If you saved a lot of soldiers, you might want to copy someone else's card, uh, send them all out, then they come back, then you send them all out again. That's a lot of points. That's a potential Mm. for a lot of points. And there's a lot of combinations. Here's where I feel a little bit iffy about the Mm. game, apart from the setting, Mm. uh, is I mentioned some special abilities. So you you mentioned that we all get a general with a special ability. And there's advisors Uh that also have special abilities. There's tactic cards, which have... You draw them from a deck. They have special abilities, right? (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of special abilities. And some people might question how well-tuned that is. Well... I will say that if you're playing this game for like a well-tuned, balanced experience, you might want to try a game called Tapestry because that felt more cohesive. (laughs) Wow. Uh, It's really all over the place. And and I think it's due to the volume of the number of these generals there are. There are 13 different generals just in the base game alone. Mm. uh, Whereas at maximum, you're going to be playing this game with five. And I think five is probably too much because it's going to take way too long. You don't need that many. I, I would have much preferred for the design team to slash the eight worst ones, mm. leave five, and go pick one. These feel sort of tuned with each other. It's something like 40 advisor cards or <laughs> right. something like that. I'm not sure. A lot. There's a lot of advisor cards. All of them provide rules exceptions. Not only that, there, there are combinations of like general and advisor mm. that are very potent. And because the abilities are sort of Designed in a thematic style, mm. right? They feel like they are all over the place. And if you get a general advisor combination from the start of the game that yeah. has something broken, and that's definitely a possibility, other players will struggle to keep up with you mm. because you'll have some sort of weird point generation thing going on, and the others just won't. And what do you do about that? I don't know. Is the, is the whole experience wonky? Probably. I'm not 100% on this Hmm. but so far just having had a cursory glance at everything I was like oh wow some of this feels very potent and some of this feels very milquetoast.
1: They advise a bit kind of wasn't a big thing for me in our game mm. I didn't pay that much attention to them because some of them were very specific in their abilities and yeah. they were very expensive because the way that buying advisors works is that the cost of it is the total amount of advisors you've got including the one that you're about to buy mm-hmm. so you I started the game with two advisors so my next one would cost me three gold which is quite a lot because resources are quite
0: unpredictable, unpredictable I would unpredictable. say yeah, yeah. because you you never guaranteed that you're going to get the resources you want gold being the hardest one to get
1: so i kind of ignored them a little bit because i looked at them and thought mm. these are very situational i'm going to stick with what i have yeah and work with what i have and mine
0: were situation even the general abilities feel situational because mm. i had a general ability that uh based on the number of advisors i had that weren't active because when you buy an advisor it can be active and provide its ability or passive and count towards the general's ability right so uh, you start with one active and one sort of passive i think Mm -hmm. it's called a support or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. Uh, and so by default i could whenever my turn ended i could spend my tactics card which frequently gave me a lot of points and i didn't want to spend it Mm. to send like one soldier out into battle that was resting Mm. which broke the rule of like you can only send it out by this one Mm. card you have in the game that you have to sacrifice victory points to return whatever right but it's only one soldier and that's not a lot and i could keep buying advisors to make that count bigger so Mm. i would get more points but i have to spend tactics card to do that and i'd rather just spend those tactics cards on the tactics card whereas (laughs) there was there's another general that says Like whenever you put a lone clerk somewhere, it counts as a number of clerks equal to your support advisors, which is just like doubling or tripling your worker placement, you know, resource. That's so much better. I don't know. It, It just, it feels all over the place in that regard. And I wish there was more fine-tuning and more balancing i suspect that what's going to happen over time much like with tapestry the community is going to come up with yeah maybe like a slashed list like bin these out of the game Mm. just play with these they'll be fine
1: yeah I, i don't know if it was because um the rule book was confusing or because it was our first play or what but i found the whole game quite bitty oh yeah very much um nothing felt quite smooth when we were playing but I, I again I don't know if that's because we literally were looking at the rule book every 30 seconds mm-hmm. going okay what do we do next because the, the way it works is it, it works over a year mm-hmm. right so each kind of round is a year and the year is broken down into four phases so you have spring summer autumn and winter or fall and winter it, we, it, it's like a normal kind of like spring is like a uh, reset it's the four and, phases yeah, of the round yeah, yeah. right so uh, but we were constantly looking, okay, what's the next bit? What's the next bit? And then the, the Horde have two phases where you check to see if they're dead or not. And then, you know, then they have another phase that whether oh, it's they're It's a very old-fashioned
0: design. It reminds um, me of Twilight Imperium, you know, in that regard. In, and I invoke that not lightly because the gameplay is very different from Twilight Imperium. There's no, <laughs> yes. there's no comparison. But it feels like a long game and it feels like a big event game because yeah. there's a lot of things happening and there's a lot of experience uh, Excitement around the table based on what people are doing yeah. so you know i sort of didn't mind that bittiness because it felt like an event game it mm. felt like things are happening we got here for a silly time that's I, i'm willing to write that off but i think some people will will get put off by that because it's not by any stretch of the imagination an elegant design mm. it is an all over the place big here's everything style design and in some ways that works very well in but you have some to be prepared ways for that oh yeah absolutely like, i
1: think if you if you're prepared for that if you know that that's what you're getting yourself into that you're not like especially if there's you know if you're the only one that knows how to play and there's three other players that don't and you're going to have to explain to them how to play it oh yeah then- you
0: probably have to print out some uh summaries from bgg where you know everything's listed for you so you can curate the experience for other people
1: i wish so the advisors sorry the general screen does have some kind of player aid on it but i didn't find it that useful i would have rather have had other information on never looked at it it once no yeah i kind of wish that had been a little bit tighter uh but i think if if you're the kind of person that wants a a big event game and you're going to play it several times i think and you play with the same group particularly mm. i think that it could be quite good
0: i think so uh that was the great, great wall. wall uh maybe more great wall in the future maybe not who knows we'll find <laughs> out if you enjoyed listening to this no pun included podcast episode you might like to find out that there's more no pun included podcast episodes oh my. yeah people can go to no included dot com slash podcast find all the episodes also if you like to discuss this episode or anything we said in particular you can always do so on the podcast's website no pun included.com slash podcast you can click on the relevant episode there's a comment section there
1: ask he- us questions or just find a friend
0: there you go that's a that's a great way of finding them but you could find even more things you could find our youtube channel on youtube.com slash no pun included if you go on that same web- website you'll find you find a link to our YouTube channel. You'll find everything. Wow. You'll even find a link to our Patreon. Because if you really, really like this podcast, you can join our Patreon. You'll get access to our exclusive Discord server with a really lovely community where you can chat about this stuff or other stuff. There's all kinds of stuff there. And uh, and nice people. People play games. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. Mm. I, that's that. I think we're going to end this episode right now as I'm saying these words. Why don't you say goodbye, Elaine?
1: Goodbye, Elaine.
0: Goodbye, Elaine.